Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Slayman, and welcome to another episode of PM Hub Podcast Series, where we feature product leaders across the tech industry in the Canadian space. In this episode, I'll be talking about changing product roadmaps during a time of crisis. Right now, there's a pandemic going around COVID-19, the world's in chaos, lots of businesses are shutting down or pivoting to help the community. Now, for us as product managers, we need to have a customer-centric approach, and that requires us to constantly assess our understanding of the needs of our users to make sure that actually we're building something useful for them. Now, to help us better understand how to go about these changing roadmaps, I had a talk with Kim Phelan. Kim has been in product management for the past 18 years. She's led products at a number of startups in Toronto, including Achievers, Two Cows, Clearfit, Chef Hero, and Touch Bistro. Kim is currently Senior Director of Product Management at Blah Digital, working specifically on the marketplace and online grocery products. All right, Kim, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you. Nice to be here. Okay, so why don't we uh, kick off this call and you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into product management. Sure thing. I've been doing product management for about uh, 18 years now. And uh, I started out uh, in software about 20 years ago, I think. And with that, I was working at a software company doing marketing. So I did, uh, I was a marketing coordinator. I organized trade shows, I put together collateral websites, you name it. And uh, I also helped do software um, demos for the uh, the sales team. And I also did a little bit of competitive intelligence. So I uh, we were in a super competitive environment, a company called ChangePoint at the time. And so I was doing competitive intelligence, I was doing demos, and then I had a lot of ideas about what, uh, what I thought the product should be doing. So what ended up happening at that point is they thought, well, that's you sound like you uh, you're pretty interested in that. And then I found myself in product. I think a lot of people stumble into product. I came up through the you know uh, being uh, doing demos, being a uh, sales support person, also a marketing person. I came up through that angle and found myself in product. So from there, I worked my way through a number of different startups uh, with increasing uh, amounts of responsibility. So I worked at Two Cows, running a single product, then a group of products, then product management. Um, I went next door, literally, to Achievers, and uh, and I was their first product manager and uh, built up the function from there. I also worked at a company called Clearfit, where I was the VP of product. Um, and I also worked at uh, Touch Bistro and Chef Hero, and now I find myself at Lobla Digital. So that's my career so far. And uh, I've kind of taken a whole d- bunch of different detours along, through, uh, through different uh, types of startups and learned a lot of stuff on the way. Definitely. Uh, very interesting. Uh, so how about your, your uh, role right now at Labla Digital? Tell us a bit more about the team structure and team size. Sure thing. Um, so you know, I came to Labla Digital because I wanted to try a larger company. Um, and I wanted to see what it would have how it was different than a uh, scrappy startup with 20 people versus, you know, Lobo Digital has about 350, 400 people. Um, so I run, um, I'm, I'm senior director of product uh, for a product called Marketplace. And uh, we are a uh, online marketplace that is part of the PC Express uh, network. So if you were to uh, shop on Loblaws or Real Canadian Superstore, you would see online exclusives, which are served up from our, our sellers. So we have sellers and consumers um, as, as our customers. So um, on my marketplace team, I have a, uh, a team of three, uh, supposed to be at four um, product managers, and we have two dedicated to the uh, the seller side of the business and two dedicated to the uh, 
to the consumer side of the business. And then we also have designers who support us. And most recently with the COVID-19 um, crisis, I've also taken on a second team. So I am running the platform for the online grocery teams as well, where there's a few product managers there working on things like payments and search and the catalog, you know, things along those lines, the underpinning architecture of the environment. Right. Wow. That's a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I, I think and the timing is, uh, you know, during this pandemic, uh, I think moving on and talking about the topic at hand, you know, changing roadmaps during a crisis like COVID, mm -hmm. leading companies, uh, 3D manufacturers, let's say there are uh, pivoting to help the community by providing ventilators, masks, swabs, face shield, mm -hmm. et cetera. Brewers uh, are trying to uh, turn their alcohol into hygiene products. How does Labla Digital is trying to pivot to help the community? Yeah, I think that um, considering that we're an essential service to provide food to Canadians, that's probably the big thing that we're doing. Um, you know, we have we've gone from, uh, you know, a, you know, a, a pretty healthy business to, you know, multipliers higher than we ever have. So, um, you know, while it, what we're doing to be able to support that is, you know, our website is hitting multipliers higher than our biggest days of the year. The number of orders that we're trying to process at any given point in time has multiplied way more than we ever would have thought it would be. So where we're spending our time is to make sure that um, we can service our customers' requests. So that means that, you know, that we can get them the food that they're asking for in the pickup environment. Uh, so we, you know, we've expanded, we've hired um, lots of people to be able to help with picking of those orders and uh, and trying to, you know, help the, the community from that perspective. Um, we've then accelerated, uh, you know, different projects that we're, we're working on to bring uh, to market. So for example, um, we launched our first uh, micro fulfillment center, which allows us to process orders faster. Um, and then we've also done things like, uh, you know, whether that's uh, priority uh, slots and availability for seniors and healthcare workers. So the idea of making sure that the most vulnerable populations or the and those with the most, uh, you know, under under scrutiny schedules are uh, are able to get the slots. And with that, we're able to do that for a lot of the population as well. So while I can't tell you a ventilator story, I can tell you that pretty much you know, we've had a lot of people coming from other businesses in Lobla Digital and pitching in. Like my team for Marketplace has all um, been redeployed to support uh, the grocery business to make sure that we can make sure that our customers get fed. That's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of, I'm curious, uh, what percentage of your team was remote pre-pandemic and, and now like completely switching to go remote? How is it, how did it change, uh, for your team? How ready was your team before this uh, going remote fully? Well, it's interesting because, uh, so I guess first off marketplace, uh, when we, when we launched, we actually purchased a company in Las Vegas. They had a uh, seller portal that we uh, that we use as the backbone behind uh, Marketplace. And so we definitely had a remote relationship with them. Uh, there's a group of about eight of them there. But also Lobla Digital has a proportion of the uh, development and uh, SRE site reliability, reliability engineering teams, which are offshore. Um, and so, you know, they're generally in India. 
And, uh, and so but we don't put them as specific teams, like for example, in a, in a squad of five people, one person will be offshore. So um, what we would do in that sort of scenario is, uh, you know, the teams would make sure that they're having their standups early in the morning, um, their, you know, their, their sprint planning, you name it, um, would be during that time frame. But I would generally say that we were pretty, we were pretty bad at remote working, frankly. Uh, you know, the idea of we were always using WebEx and, you know, it, it, you know, it, it definitely hasn't been holding up for us. Um, you know, people couldn't see each other, you know, quality, you know, we never really kind of kept it as the forefront. And now that we are hundred percent remote, it's kind of interesting, the tools that have come forward, you know, things like Google meet um, and making sure that all meetings are, you know, held online and, you know, that we're documenting all the things that we need to be doing. It's just, it's been very interesting to see the evolution of the teams. Um, meetings are a lot more uh, succinct than they were before. Um, and, you know, the remote is the first consideration. And I suspect we're moving to a new office when we ever get to go back to our office. And I think there's going to be a number of changes to the uh, infrastructure there to make sure that we can keep going in the format that we are. Definitely, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, well, now let's move on to the topic at hand and, you know, evolving roadmaps as, you know, the product matures uh, from like, you know, the early days to all the way to later on stages and bringing the whole crisis to this uh, kind of equation. Now let's yep. talk about how would it change? Like, you know, right now the con consumer behavior is changing. How should yep. we go, how should we pivot the roadmap given this uh, changing behavior? Uh, we basically had to take our existing roadmap and throw it out. That's that's probably the shortest way of putting it. Um, okay. The things that were important two months ago aren't important anymore. And they become important again, but they're not important right now. So speaking from like the, the online grocery side of things, you know, when we, when we started the year, we had a set of OKRs and a roadmap, which was around, you know, how do we do substitutions? How do we, you know, suggest things to customers that would be more helpful? Um, you know, how do we get them to, you know, think about particular products versus other products, you know, things along those lines, which were much more on the merchandising capability. Um, and that was a big, a big thing for that. Um, but what I found was interesting is that now we just need to make sure they can get that food. So the idea of suggesting an alternative product is it's more about how do we just make sure that we can get them a time slot, that we can get them their products without too many um, inventory shortages, that, you know, they can get their things on time. It's just kind of it's been super interesting to see how you get boiled down to the most essence of what you're working on. Um, you know, one of the first projects that we that I worked on when I moved over to grocery to help out was the idea that um, we have the idea that we, you can edit your cart up until the night before they start picking it. Well, we needed to move that timeline and adjust a number of workflows because we had so many orders. We we needed more than just one night. So it was things like that that, you know, you would have never even worked on that feature. But because of the sheer volume of the orders. Uh, we had to start prioritizing things around system stability and throughput for the uh, from for the organization. Um, you know, our our teams are hitting volumes that they didn't expect to get for the next four years. So you can imagine the things that you have to fix and you need to scale up so quickly, well beyond what you would have imagined in your roadmap. So. Wow. 
yeah, it's been it's been uh, really really interesting uh, to to be exposed to that. And then there's always there's always something new. You know, I, I mean, I think that we would all say right now with COVID, we're you know when the first two weeks was really really manic from our perspective, we had to keep those sites up because we were hitting traffic that was un, unheard of. And then as things start leveling out, it's like we we've hit a new level, new watermark of what's important uh, of the number volume of orders we get, and also the types of problems we're trying to solve for our customers. So yeah, we had to basically reassess the roadmap, defer most things, and then reassess which, when we thought about it, it was more like, how do we make sure customers can get their products? How can we make sure the site stays up? How can we make sure our, our colleagues stay safe and then they can, they can scale their operations? So a lot of the priorities shifted to that. So we actually created uh, new initiatives and then new roadmaps that went along with it. But as things start settling out, and I'm not saying that things are any different than they were two months ago from a perspective of our world. We're all supposed to still stay inside and do all those things. Um, but it, it we're getting used to that new normal. So some of those existing, the original roadmap items are coming back in when appropriate. But we're always making sure that we don't keep our eye, you know, divert our eye from the most important thing, which is making sure Canadians get their uh, get their groceries. Definitely, it's very interesting. And I guess uh, to your point, being agile is very important to mm -hmm. adjust to these all changing requirements. You know, changes, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. You uh, there's a long term plan doesn't exist anymore. Each each week, I go in and find out of a new priority that's happening, and you know, and it's coming right from you know Gail and Weston and and the tr the team because you know they're the ones who are on the front lines of hearing about all the different parts of what the government needs. We're also, you know, talking a lot to uh, to the government about what they need from us as an essential service provider as well. Right, definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, talking about roadmaps, you mentioned every week you get a new priority. How yeah. how, how does the length of roadmap change? Uh, you said it uh, to weekly, monthly, or how, how would that change during a crisis? Um, I would say that, you know, we have a roadmap that we're heading towards. Um, one of the things that we're trying really hard to do right now at Lava Digital, at least in the grocery and marketplace divisions, is um, is we're trying to get our product managers to an outcome-driven product management focus. So the idea of saying, you know, I need to make sure the customers find the products that they're looking for becomes an outcome for one of our product managers. And then they can work on any project that makes sense in there. So that is kind of the roadmap that is is there. You know, we've got that roadmap happening, but then things will come in, you know, as new crises and we have to adjust and, and uh, be flexible about what that is. So, you know, we've had to institute more uh, consistent priority reorganization sort of meetings, things along those lines, because we just we just get these curveballs all the time. Um, so it's kind of like you have a your regular rope to answer your question. Sorry, Cyrus, is that um, the uh, is the idea that um, we still have a roadmap that goes out, let's call it a couple of quarters at minimum. Um, but we have to be super flexible when the world changes on us. Definitely. No, I love that. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about uh, the frequency of shipping updates and releases. So. Uh, Google recently announced that they've slowed down updates for Chrome due, due to COVID. Uh, yeah. Is your team also taking a similar approach in terms of frequency of these uh, shipping up the releases and the updates? No. <laughs> we've, <sp> <laughs> we've sped up. 
um, like, uh, you know, for example, I was called into something yesterday where we have, we have uh, six releases planned for next week. And we were like, okay, hold on. There's a lot of going on in here. How do we make sure that we are not clobbering each other? Because we have a lot of teams um, and they're all fixing a whole bunch of stuff. Now they're in different areas, but the point is, is that we are definitely, we are actually shipping more than we ever have. Um, wow. Yeah, because we're trying to be responsive to the things that are coming at us at any given point in time. So we're, uh, we're definitely shipping more. And then at the same time, our tech teams are doing a lot of work to try to improve the, uh, the speed of the site. And all of that is very iterative and they're making changes to the site all the time. Um, now, granted, we make sure that, you know, those things are super well tested and there's not risk involved in them. We don't take a lot of risks right now. That's probably when I when I ask myself why is Google doing that? It's about taking risks, right? Um, and making sure that customers can still can still be served. So we're get, definitely getting a lot of scrutiny on uh, what we're releasing and making sure that it's solid. Definitely, yeah. I guess yeah. the nature of the business also uh, depends a lot of what Google is that versus versus you know a grocery store, a major grocery store in Canada, right? So that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, how about dependencies and legacy code when it comes to changing it um, for for a roadmap? You know, and on a roadmap and how it looks during a crisis. How does that look? You know, what's interesting is that uh, I think that right now we are actually um, we're ripping things out of our legacy code that's causing us problems. Um, what you know, we have a we have a central uh, hub that a lot of the orders go through and the product catalog goes through and the time slots go through and the search goes through, like the, the list goes on and on. And we're trying really hard to um, make sure it's as optimized as possible because when the site goes down, it usually points to that area. So we've been you know, judiciously ripping things out of there and trying to get it so that uh, that legacy code is not causing any grief. So it's actually accelerating the uh, us re removing those dependencies on uh, on on some you know, some of the older pieces of our architecture, just to make sure that we can get the performance gains that we need to be able to meet the customer demand. Definitely, yeah. But given that mm -hmm. crazy traffic you guys are getting, it makes sense. Yeah, um, right. It's a good excuse <laughs> to get that work done, right? That's right. Yeah. And I'll I'll we'll take. I have another question on it later on. But uh, also, my next question is about the goals, and you touched upon it a little bit, uh, and kind of like the, how how it ties to strategic uh, goals for a product roadmap and diverse targets. Is there anything mm -hmm. more you want to talk about when it comes to that? Well, I think that you know, realistically, we actually took a hard look at the OKRs that we had set for the year. Uh, we start with OKRs and out of that come strategic initiatives. And then we have squads that work on each of those strategic initiatives with each of their own outcomes. Um, and so we had to look at some of those OKRs and say, you know what, this is not, this is not as important right now um, and put it on the back burner and then uh, re rejig the initiatives and go from there. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so now moving on about team productivity could directly affect roadmaps, right? Yep. Uh, how to best handle it, you know, while being fully remote uh, during the crisis like this? So are, you know, are the teams more productive or less productive? Is that kind of your question? 
Well, yeah. I mean, the the question is, first of all, is is your team more productive? I'd I'd like to hear that, and also. If it's not, how how to how to handle the situation of re- fully remote teams and their productivity? Yeah, I I have to say that the productivity of our teams has gone up um, mm. in this crisis, and I but I think that's also the nature of the beast that we're in. If we were in a different business and um, we you know we didn't have a lot of customers coming, etc., that would be different. Um, at this point, it's like we are having so many new customers come that if we don't fix the things or get that thing out and affect, you know, make things better for them, we are actually going to cause them grief, you know? So we just so much demand, we have to hustle the whole time and productivity has gone up significantly because of it. So I think that that's, that's a really big, been a big uh, change. And, but also the hyper-focus is super helpful. So right now, there's not a lot of competing priorities, you know, like it's pretty, well, there's lots of competing priorities, but the point is, is that they're all focused around the singular problem of making sure the Canadians can get their groceries in this time. So all the other stuff that was kind of getting in the way is no longer there. Uh, all the excess projects that we may need to be working on at any given point in time are not prioritized and we're being pretty brutal about that. So that allows the teams to be focused and, you know, I, I want to learn how to bottle that for when this crisis is over because focusing um, and really getting super clear about the priorities really does help that productivity. Very interesting. You mentioned that and how, how this situation has helped your team with the decision making and sticking to, mm-hmm. you know, one overall goal and kind of, and you're right, you know, once that is uh, set really well and clear, then everything else could, could follow, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very nice. Uh, so, how about product backlog refinement? Uh, like, would would let would you say uh, those less sexy features that they have long term strategic goals take priority at this point? Um. Yeah. I mean, we've had it's it's interesting because you know even some of the things that we thought were important two months ago. Um, aren't any longer. So we're continually like asking ourselves, what's the most valuable thing that this squad can ship right now? And that's, we have to continually ask ourselves that when we're in in, uh, our sprint planning, because, you know, even though, you know, for example, um, substitutions was a big thing that we were working towards and how do we do that effectively, you know, improve things for customers, et cetera. Um, And when we're having a hard enough time, just making sure we can keep up with demand, all of a sudden that feature, which was super high priority before, starts uh, getting deprioritized to make sure that we can solve for other um, more important problems. So yeah, we're continually looking at that roadmap. Um, but one of the things that we are trying to make sure we keep, there's certain hygiene things that we really wanna make sure we're doing. So um, analytics, making sure that we, every time we release a new feature that we're putting analytics in there because we, otherwise we don't know when it's not working. So we can't cut corners like that. Um, regression testing, making sure that we are continually upgrading our regression test suite so that we can make sure we're releasing with quality. These are things that you can easily, you know, drop because they aren't as sexy, you know, but we really do need to make sure that we keep our, our, uh, our processes in place so that, uh, we can, we can deliver, uh, software that, that customers can still use and it's not going down and we don't cause ourselves grief. I love that. Uh, so a related question to that, Kim, 
you know, you mentioned your team is, uh, you guys are releasing way more features uh, in the past. How would you balance that with, you know, technical debt and security, especially at a time like this? Um, I think it depends. And I, I know that's a really product manager answer, but um, so technical debt, you know, we, we are always asking ourselves, you know, is this going to be lasting the long term? Um, is there other things we should be fixing while we're in there? Um, I'm kind of a while you're in there sort of te- uh, product manager when it comes to technical debt. I like to um, to make sure that uh, you know if if you're if you're fixing a particular feature that you deal with the issues that are around it. Um, we continue to do that. Um, whether we're taking on uh, long technical debt projects that don't have customer value, no, there's not a lot of room for that. So it's all about you know what value could we add to that project. To be able to uh, ensure that uh, they can get the that we can get the technical debt addressed, but also uh, bring customers some improved feature as part of that. Um, and what was security was the other part. Well, I mean, security can never be compromised from our perspective. Um, that is definitely a big lesson I've learned by going to a larger company. Um, is that you know we have millions of people who are going to our sites every day and. Some of them are not nice people. Uh, you get a pretty big target on your on your back uh, when you're a big company. So uh, you can't compromise on security. There's no, you can't cut corners when it comes to security. So we have a lot of uh, controls in place to make sure that uh, only the customers we want to have show up, show up versus the malicious ones. Definitely, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned about prioritizing and being relentless about that and setting up a goal. So during these times, uh, do you have a favorite framework that you use to prioritize uh, backlog features? I would love to tell you that we use one consistently. We don't. Um, I'm more of a like. I mean, obviously, right now it's it's about what what's the most important thing to in this crisis itself. Um, our teams do do varying degrees of uh, weighted prior weighted scoring prioritization. That's kind of my personal favorite, but it really is all about uh, putting it in support of that overall product strategy. Um, we do have some teams at uh, LD that do uh, rice prioritization as well. Um, it's just a different. Everybody's got a different perspective of uh, of how they want to approach that. It. Um, we have a pretty big product management team. Uh, there's 40 product managers across. Uh, for, well, six businesses. So, I mean, I say six businesses and that probably doesn't mean anything to you, but like the idea of saying Labla Digital, we serve all, we serve, serve Shoppers Drug Mart Beauty and Pharmacy. We sure serve Joe Fresh. We serve PC Express, Marketplace, um, and, and PC Optimum. So there's all these different businesses that have different business units at the at enterprise level. So we do have a lot of a mix and we're trying to more standardize that across the board. Definitely, yeah. I guess having that mix in place make it uh, a little bit tough to pick one, but uh, it's got to yeah. be a process as you go, right? So definitely. Uh, yeah. So how about you know keeping roadmaps current is one of the biggest secrets probably uh, into having a successful product roadmap. You mentioned that you know right now you you are doing. Uh, kind of like we have you have quarterly, you have a weekly roadmaps, but would you say is there like a number of weeks or let's say months that right now do you think is the best to let's say you know what we need to update our roadmaps every week or every month? 
during a time like this? Yeah, we don't really have a cadence of what that is. I mean, we use a tool called AHA, which most people will have heard of. And, you know, the product managers are continually adding new projects to that and then moving things out. Like, I would say that it's probably changing, you know, multiple times a week based on the new things that are happening. What I do think is, uh, you know, it stays moderately static are the big projects or the big goals that we have for the for that initiative. Um, they stay static versus the tactics change. And I think that, that that comes with new information. It comes with results come from experiments. You name it. Um, there's always new things that we're working on and we're working towards. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to tell you that we publish a roadmap all the time. And, you know, this is the iteration cycle. But because we use a tool that allows us to, to continually have visibility over that roadmap, it's, an, it's a living document. Love it. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so you mentioned experimentation now. Yeah. How, how product experimentation, especially during a time like a crisis like now, uh, there are some known problems out there for consumers for you, let's say on a retail side. How would you go about like, you know, let's say you know some of the problems itself, but would you uh, still keep experimenting uh, these ideas and features with customers? How would you go about that? Uh, it depends, it depends. Um, so we have an experimentation um, center of excellence or COE as we like to say in LD um, and we're always asking ourselves should we test it um, and sometimes it makes sense sometimes it doesn't but a lot of times it's about there's you know there's cases where we do a b testing so um, so marketplace is not at the top priority right now because of course we want to make sure that customers get get their groceries but um, we do have some small experiments that we're running so we run those in a b you know um we added type ahead to the site and uh to a particular part of the site related to our marketplace items and we did that in an a b to make sure we could tell the difference of you know the baseline compared to to what we had done so that was great and we've got lots of instances of that um but then we also use uh, do things like, you know, do doing an AB or a feature flag for new features just to make sure it's running as expected and the conversion rates are still the same. So I think in some cases it's in order to learn, to understand what that customer behavior is, and sometimes it's a risk mitigation strategy. So the idea of saying, I'm going to run this as an experiment so I can make sure that everything is running okay. It's not about the growth metric there, it's more about the uh, the making sure that you haven't messed anything up approach, you know, like that that conversion rate coming through the funnel is still the same after you put a particular feature out in front of it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it's, that's, a little, it's a little bit different than uh, typical experimentation, I think, right now. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. You know, you guys are pivoting as you go for your approach. Yeah. Uh, now, what's next, uh, Kim, for you and your team at LD? Well, I mean, I think that um, I guess it depends which team on the marketplace side of things we're we're trying to make this business uh, fly, and doing that in the in the uh, in the current environment is uh, is an interesting challenge to try to make sure that we can, you know, serve the customers' needs and also uh, try to make a fledgling you know startup within a larger company work. And then on the platform side, it's about you know really scaling and making the the uh, the service more effective as we hit unprecedented growth with our business. Right on. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Kim. Really appreciate your comments and and the changing roadmaps during a crisis. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Cyrus. 
there you have it guys i hope you took some value out of today's episode with cam on changing product roadmaps during time of crisis make sure to follow us on twitter our handle is at pmhubto and until next episode stay safe and healthy